Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC Podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It's week 15 of 2021. I'm Chris Louie, and this week I heard your feedback loud and clear about my audio, and I hope it sounds better this week. With me, I have Duke Silver, who's rocking an awesome beard right now. Thank you, Chris. Coming at you live from Arizona. You know, it's that time of the year where I'm pushing the lines and the boundaries of, you know, working from anywhere because uh, weather permits. Now, I'm currently trying to figure out how to actually work from the pool, but I'm running into some logistical issues. And with us is Glenn Medina. Hi, everyone. Welcome back and thank you for joining us. Really happy to be back for podcast number three. Time flies when you're having fun. And Brian, I don't care what anyone says, I can't tell that you've got white hair in your beard. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny that you, you guys bring up the beard thing because uh, I tell people that I've grown it for like intimidation purposes. That way it can look a little bit more scary. But the, the truth of the matter is we have a family friend that has a baby and this baby loves me. And if the internet has t- taught me anything, is that if I shave the beard off, the baby's going to hate me. So I play like I want to look intimidating and whatnot, but it's really just because I like this baby. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. Well, well, at least you can grow facial hair. I can't do it, any of that. So <laughs> <laughs> One day. We'll pray for you. Uh, there you go. I'll grow up. <laughs> I'd like to see you try, Glenn, though. I'd like to see you try. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We want to say thank you for our listeners leaving us five stars reviews on iTunes, Spotify, and other platforms. Five star reviews help us promote the show and get our message out to even more people. It means the world to us, and we are happy knowing that you enjoy listening to our content. Now on to the show, Chris. All right, for our first story... Uh, Ubiquity, they're having a real bad day after an internal whistleblower reports that an alleged cover-up at the networking and IoT gear maker. The House of Pain! Now, a few months ago, Ubiquity disclosed that they did have a data breach at a third-party cloud provider which hosted some user data. I got the email. I know, Brian, you use some of their gear, so you probably got the email too. But with breach fatigue being what it is where... Everyone's just numb because breaches happen so often, we really didn't think much of it. Now, that all changed last week when the reporter Brian Krebs dropped a bombshell of a report where an internal whistleblower contacted Krebs and let him know that the breach was way worse than Ubiquity reported. Brian, as someone who shares a first name with Mr. Krebs and a user of their gear, why don't you give us your thoughts on what happened? Yeah, so the, the hackers actually tried to extort Ubiquity for like $3 million in ransom. And I, you know, just to keep it quiet, and I almost wonder, like, had they just divulged this information as, you know, a bug or, you know, a breach, maybe there had been, you know, some type of uh, finder's fee for that and could have made out, you know, a little bit better with it. On on Tuesday, uh, a reporter had actually said that the attackers had gained administrative access to Ubiquity servers at Amazon's cloud service, which secures their underlying server hardware and software requires the cloud tenant client to secure access to any data stored there. Uh, can you guys say micro-segmentation maybe? Guys, God is a wish list for hackers. Admin rights to their entire AWS environment, cryptographic keys, which can be used to forge SSO cookies, full source code, entire S3 buckets and databases, 
While we don't have all the facts yet, it's quite nummy to see these events continue. It's almost as if I need to create a script that will go out and change my passwords on a weekly basis. I know we've gone after several hackers from a legal standpoint, but until we start holding more people accountable from doing these unethical hacking, it's hard for me to see this stopping. What do you guys think, Chris? I mean, I don't think it's that upsetting that they got breached. Like As we mentioned in the last ap- episode, no one's perfect and can prevent 100% of attacks from happening. We're, we're just human. We've seen some of the most secure companies, companies like Lockheed and Tesla, JP Morgan, one of the largest banks here in the U.S., they all got breached. So it's not that upsetting that they got breached. What I think is really upsetting and the source of a lot of the backlash is Ubiquiti's response. Some of the word semantics they played are enough to even make most politicians blush. For example, Ubiquity said, and I quote, no evidence that customer information was accessed or even targeted. Do you know why they can say that? They can only say that because they did not have logging turned on. So there's literally no evidence of it. Just because there's no evidence of it doesn't mean it didn't happen. But Ubiquity can, Ubiquity can say that because they did not have logging turned on. Remember when they said a third-party cloud vendor got breached? Well, that third-party provider was AWS, and it was their AWS account that got hacked. It's it's things like that that, that are really upsetting. If they had been more upfront and honest about it, I think people would have been a lot more accepting. But they tried to play these word games. They tried to spin it in a way that made it sound not quite as bad, and I think that's why a lot of people are upset about it. 100% agreed. You know, without logging rights, plausible deniability. Uh, You know, with all that said, uh, you know, I I am a Ubiquiti uh, user. Uh, I have the cloud key. Thankfully, you know, I have a little bit of peace of mind knowing that I had MFA enabled. And that's something that I turned on, I think, right when it first came out. With that said, I did go in there and change my password just to be secure and uh, have a little, you know, be able to sleep at night. You have to have that that MFA enabled, that that gives you that additional layer of protection and maybe that'd be a good topic for another show of what's the best MFA method, but in general, MFA better than no MFA. All right, on to our next topic. Now, you guys know I like my privacy, right? I pitched the Brave web browser and uBlock Origin browser plugin to anyone who will listen. You know, I send my $20 a month to the EFF to protect our freedoms online. Uh, and this story is falls into the definitely creepy column. A company called Zasynex is developing a device called the Venue. Now, what does this Venue do, you ask? Well, it's a streaming box, very similar to like a Roku or a Fire Stick or Apple TV. But, and there's a big but to it, it has a camera built into it. I think you see where this is going. Now, the purpose of this camera is to count the number of people in your living room so companies can actually charge you per person watching. Their thought is, if you go to a movie theater, you pay per person buying tickets. Now, pre-pandemic, I think in my area, they're like 14 bucks a ticket per person. But if you stream a movie, you can have as many people as you want, and you only pay one flat streaming charge. So things like uh, UFC events, and I had people over when we were allowed to have people over for the the Mayweather-McGregor uh, fight, and we just ordered it and had everyone over. We had a good time. 
Now, Glenn, do you want a camera from some unknown company in your living room? Yeah, that's kind of weird, right? So in my living room, I do have my, uh, was it my Xbox 360, which has a camera on it. And it's making me think, you know, I, like I said, it's turned off, thank goodness. And uh, I, I'm glad, you know, that, uh, that uh, like I said, I've got that thing turned off. What's interesting is like, this isn't really new, right? Uh, this is something that's been happening with Echo, with uh, Alexa, the, uh, the Amazon Echo, which has got a front facing camera on it as well, and the dots. So it sounds like uh, this is a, a pretty close and, and you, you almost have to balance technology with uh, invasion of privacy. I, I look at this, Chris, and I'm like, I wonder how you could defeat that. Could you put like a picture of just you in front of it? And <laughs> and and so that no one could tell that it, there's all other, you know, that there's others inside there. And it's interesting. And, and the way I look at it as well is I just wonder what else are they doing other than looking at how many counting, how many people are, are in that room with you? Are they are they looking at the type of chips that I'm eating, you know, and the brand and and what I'm wearing and and whatnot? So again, uh, it's kind of weird. And compound that with, uh, hey, what happens if that data gets stolen, right? What can they do with that information? Are they, you know, they've got a picture of me um, sitting at home um, with my family? That's just interesting. So, Brian. Oh my gosh. Like who actually thought this was a good idea from that company to be like, you know, Hey guys, uh, I have this idea. We're going to get this box. It's going to stream movies. And then we're going to have a camera record people and count how many butts are in seats like that. That seems insane to me, but the flip of the coin, like I'm sure there's gonna be customers out there that would actually probably buy this, right? It's like, Hey, streaming box for, you know, for $9 and 99 cents and you just pay a monthly fee or, or something like that, you know, per, per button seat. Maybe they would do it. I, I'd have to say that's way too intrusive for me. I, I, I can't see any real life scenario where this would play out nicely. What about you, Chris? I get that it's a different monetization model of streaming versus counting butts in seats. But my feeling is movie studios have to account for that when they price things. When the pandemic hit and all the movie theaters were closed, they release a number of movies online. I think Trolls 2 was probably the first one. They released direct to consumer and it was $30, which is pretty high for an on-demand or rental video. But considering it was supposed to be a blockbuster movie in the theater that was supposed to make millions of dollars, $30 seemed actually pretty reasonable. So they, they built a model around that. And I think that's probably the direction people want to go because, you know, at least for me personally, having a camera in my house and counting the people watching that's that's just not something I would ever do. And as you mentioned, Brian, that might be attractive to some. It's going to be a personal preference. You know, my personal preference, I prefer privacy. I'll pay a little bit extra and uh, get that privacy. So probably probably not something I would do. And, and Glenn, you, you brought something uh, interesting up, and that was the, the advertising factor of this. I remember a number of years ago, Samsung got a little bit of backlash because their smart TVs had cameras built into them. And the purpose of that was to make Skype calls when Skype was, was still a thing with people just directly through the TV. And in their actual uh, user agreement that you have to accept when you, uh, when you sign up for the, when you turn on the TV, it actually said something like, we're allowed to sell data to you know, third-party advertisers. So people were thinking, well, is this camera going to turn on? Are they going to watch what chips I'm eating? Are they going to look at my eyeballs to see if I'm watching commercials? So there's a lot of 
backlash even a couple years ago about this. So, so I'm, I'm actually surprised they're they're revisiting this now. Yeah, the the terms and services agreement that we all kind of agree to is like it's they're always way too long and you can't read it. It's like you know signing a, a deal with the devil, right? Like you do that, but you can never opt out of his emails. It's it's written in there. I don't know about you. Steer clear of this one, guys. Definitely one of the more, one of the more useless things is who whoever reads a a a, 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 a license agreement on those things. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, there's a funny story. There was actually a company that that played on that, and they actually put some language in their their user agreement that said, "If anybody reads this, call this phone number, and we'll pay you five thousand dollars." And someone actually read it, and it, I mean it was pretty buried, but someone read it and called the number, and sure enough, they got five thousand dollars for it. So, man, fun story about that. I guess I'm gonna go start reading those li- those user agreements now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to our next topic. Not necessarily tech-focused, but likely one of interest to our listeners. The last year has been a year like no other. We're currently well past one year into what was originally thought to be 14 days to flatten the curve. Unprecedented cannot even begin to describe how the world changed in the last 12 months. With that being said, working from home, working from anywhere brought about new challenges, not just on the technical front, like how do I secure a remote workforce or how do I securely provide remote access to private applications. The mental toll on remote employees is also something many HR departments are concerned about. Two weeks ago, we talked about Zoom Free Fridays and Zoom Burnout. And on that note, I'd like to get your guys's thoughts and strategies of, of how do you stay grounded or how do you deal with the mental toll the pandemic has taken on on everyone like what do you use for mindfulness how do you maintain your mental health yeah awesome topic chris and i'm glad we're talking about this right and and, and i look at this from a different lens as a manager it's important that we let our employees know our appreciation for the hard work over the last year right it's it's been tough it's good to see companies provide additional paid time off um, I remember last year, several companies followed suit and gave employees what they called COVID days. I, for one, was, was very happy that the company we work for um, gave this past Friday off as a global holiday for the hard work that we've done. You know, go Zscaler. That's my, my plug there. Uh, very proud to be part of an organization that recognizes this. Additionally, I mean, it makes it very clear to me and my team that uh, it's okay to take breaks uh, and and get some time away from the screen even if that means scheduling time on the calendar to go for a walk or run it's it's got you got to do it right for the sanity gents what are your thoughts yeah i fully agree that it's it's really important to get away from from the screen that we we're looking at the screen during our, our work hours even on our off hours and any anything we do for fun usually involves uh, screen time now so getting away from that that screen time i think is is immensely important and and scheduling things forcing yourself to take those breaks putting things on your calendar putting things on your reminder we all have smartphones these days we can set a reminder to take some time for mindfulness now i personally use the calm app uh, on the iphone and it's a guided meditation app. It's uh, mindfulness. Uh, they have uh, sleep stories that help you sleep as well. Um, I paid for the the premium subscription for it. I, I think it's well worth it. And just I put a reminder every day that for ten minutes, you know, Calm has a 
uh, daily column that they, they do. It's about 10 minutes long. Just take 10 minutes out of your day, uh, do the guided meditation, and you, you really do feel recharged and, and relaxed afterwards. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, some other apps are out there like Headspace. I think that's, that's Calm's uh, main competitor, but I personally use the Calm app and, and find it. You know, Chris, when you talk How about, about you, Brian, yeah, uh, when you were are actually willing to pay for something, you make me second guess things, right? So when you say in the Calm app and you went with the premium service, I'm like, maybe there's something onto this. I'll have to look at it. Uh, you know, me personally, I, I I love the gym. I'm in Arizona, so gyms have been open. There was only a brief time, I think three or four months, that it was actually closed. But uh, the gym is my time to be me, to work through things, right? Through the, through the day, through the next presentation I'm going to do. Uh, how I'm going to be a dad, how I'm going to be a, a husband to my wife and whatnot. So for me, uh, it's it's a staple in what I do. I try to go to the gym six days a week. Uh, some days it's running and lifting. Some days it's just running. You know, your mileage will vary depending on, on time and schedules. But for me, without it, I, I feel like I'm a literal monster. Like I'm just not stable. I, I, I need to get out there and, and exercise that mind uh, differently when going when going to the gym. Now on that, there's the whole like, still gained a little bit of weight during COVID and my wife and I were talking and she's, you know, she's always about like the new fad diets. There's the keto diets and, and intermittent fasting and this, that, and another thing. And I'm just like, hun, it's, it's not that it's literally it's calories in versus calories out. And we disagreed for a little bit. And I said, Hey, I bet you I can lose 20 pounds in a month eating nothing but peanut M&Ms. And, uh, she, she, she a hundred percent doubted me. And I said, all right, you know, let's, let's do this. Uh, three weeks into it, I actually lost 21 pounds by only consuming 1,620 calories a day in peanut M&Ms. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was starving in some of the points in my day, but it just guys to show you, I mean, literally just nothing but sugar, right. And exercise, I was still able to do it. And it was just burning more calories than what I was actually consuming. <laughs> uh well i would say if the bet favors like science and in logic then yeah then don't take that bet (laughs) gotcha i think it's about this time in the podcast that we should disclose we are not medical professionals this is not medical (laughs) advice and check with your doctor before changing uh changing your diet or exercise strategy sorry one thing I did want to uh, mention since Brian, since you did uh, bring up gym time, is the uh, the Apple Workout Plus. Uh, that's that's another another thing that I, I pay for. Uh, that's a subscription service, and uh, I actually find that really uh, well worth it as well. Uh, they have various workouts that you can do: uh, hit workouts, treadmill, biking, rowing, uh, strength training, and they're always coming out with new ones. It's I think it's like eight bucks a month, or uh, I think it's like seventy bucks a year. Some of that, but another thing I find pretty well worth it just to, to get that exercise, like you said, how, how do you not gain weight during this, this pandemic? And I, I found that to be a, a good value. Is this something that you do like just straight from your watch or do you do it like on the TV and you watch something or do you need to have home gym equipment to make it actually work? It works on any Apple device. So I have an iPhone, I have an iPad, I have an Apple TV, and you can do it on any of those devices, which is which is pretty cool that you can do it on any of them. It integrates with Apple Watch, so it can track your calories, it can uh, track your minutes working out, your heart rate. It's it's all integrated into that Apple ecosystem. Uh, so I think that's that's something that Apple does uh, really well. Right on. Nice. 
All right. So for our last segment, uh, it will be a rotating segment, uh, segment, segment, and it will change every week. Uh, this week, we're doing a uh, honest gadget review. No sponsorships, no outside influence, no disclaimers, just 100% feedback on tech, tech gadgets that we use uh, that we bought with our own money. And Glenn, I think you're going to chime in first today. What, you, what do you got for us, bud? Yeah. So my latest purchase is the Nordatrack EXP10i treadmill with a 10-inch display. I know treadmills are like large hamster wheels, but I wanted to talk about uh, this cool integration with iFit. iFit is an online gym membership that gives you access to trainers and their materials. So I'm not a, not a normal fitness nut like Brian and Chris here who uh, who, I'm, uh, who I watch uh, max out their Apple Watch rings three times, you know, every day. They're three rings every day. Uh, it's pretty crazy that with the way those two, uh, these two guys uh, work out. Um, I need some motivation, and uh, I think I found that with the NordaTrack treadmill with that membership. I can run along virtually with a trainer in, in Vietnam, France, Hawaii, or any other exotic locations I feel like. And, uh, and it feels like I'm there. I set up, uh, the setup will even incline or decline when walking up or, or down a hill. So I've got a 3% decline and a 12% incline. Uh, in one day, I was motivated enough to be in Hawaii uh, for, for a walking trip and then uh, in Portugal for a running, for a running segment. Uh, there are some things I wish were better engineered. I like having display. I, I wish the display was higher up so that I'm not looking down. Um, and uh, running at the same time it doesn't make it so awkward. Pretty cool in my book. Overall, I give it a score out of 8 out of 10 smiling emojis on the PepCat scale. 10 being really good. Brian? Yeah, it sounds like that's a pretty decent uh, device you got there to, you know, to keep motivated and whatnot. Uh, years ago, I, I bought myself a, uh, an elliptical as a stop drinking gift, right? It's like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be drinking so much soda and blah, blah, blah. And so now it's just uh, it's just something that I look at as I'm drinking soda. So good to see that you're getting some use out of your treadmill, man. I need it. I need it. So I can't tell you how bad I need it. And Glenn, when you mentioned that you bought this this treadmill that has some kind of uh, smart integration of it, I immediately turned to, oh, Glenn's got a new IoT device on his network. Let's see what kind of vulnerabilities I can find to, uh, to hack into this treadmill and see if I can, can make, turn up the speed on you and make you sweat a little. Oh, I know. What's it, what's crazy is that as it's you know as you're following the trainer, not only are they doing the incline and decline, but they're also varying the speed, which makes it interesting, right? So if you see them start to run, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to go run with them. So, like I said, it, it's it's very interactive as opposed to just sitting there running on a treadmill, looking at a you know looking at buttons or lights beep um, at you. So, I, like I said, it's it's pretty impressive with the technology that they have now in this thing. The real hack would be. If Chris can increase the speed, but it just says that you're going up, you know, four miles per hour, but it's really like 12. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm dying here. Like that, that's real IoT hack type of stuff. You know, one time, this real co quick comment on IoT. In between customer meetings, one of my most favorite things to do in the world would be to go to Home Depot and look at the clearance section. And one day I was there and they had these cameras on, on clearance and they were like super cheap. They were normally like $199 down to like 10 bucks. So I bought them all. 
And I brought it home and I was like, I was testing it to see like how well it worked. And the artifacting was just tremendous, right? Like I'd wave and it would take like 30 seconds for it to show up. I'm like, this thing's trash. I'm just going to send it back. Uh, Lo and behold, right? I end up making the return and then I get an email uh, from how I, I, I do security at home. Uh, over the past month, it kind of shows like, hey, you know, the, you know, these are the websites that are visited. This is what's going on. And it showed that I had a metric ton of command and control going to Russia. And I immediately thought, what the heck is actually going on here? So I logged into my Ubiquity cloud, actually. And I, I looked up the IP address that had been assigned at that point in time. And it was actually to that camera. Um, I don't know how or if it was compromised. Uh, but certainly, like, thank God I didn't keep that thing, right? It was actually beaconing back. Uh, the, the, the C2 traffic was blocked, but it was just kind of interesting to see that this thing, net new off the shelf, plugged in, updated, and going back over there uh, was problematic. Now, this camera in question had actually uh, the, I think it was Samsung, but it had been sold off to some other subsidiary that was out there. So Lord knows what was actually going on. Yeah, got to be careful those IoT devices and those you know, potential supply chain attacks as well. Yep. Well, we got such positive feedback from our first episode's dad joke segment. We thought we're going to make it a point to tell at least one dad joke per episode. Glenn, you're up this week. Well, you know, I love my family and I've got plenty of dad jokes. I can talk about my family probably all day long and all year long. But I've got a nephew who's in the Army and heard he was getting married the day before his wedding, I, I called him and offered him my warmest congratulations, and I told him I was certain you'll remember today as a, the happiest day in your life. He said thanks and was quick to remind me that the wedding was tomorrow. And then I said, I know. <laughs> no comment. Great joke, though. All right. Well, on that note, to wrap things up, a whistleblower at Ubiquity dropped a bombshell allegation that the hack was significantly worse than disclosed. A creepy company wants to put a camera in your living room to charge you per person for movies and sporting events. Especially during this pandemic, it's more important than ever to look out for your mental health. Lastly, Glenn gives the Nordic Track EXP-10i 8 out of 10 smiling emojis. That's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Now, some people have been asking about having guests on our show. It's something we definitely want to do in the future, but we thought we'll get a few more episodes done, work out the kinks, and then we'll likely open it up to guests. And just so you know, your breath smells better now that you're listening to our podcast. If you know someone else who you would like to be 20% more attractive, please share this podcast with them. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCAC podcast. That's P-E-B-C-A-K podcasts on your favorite podcasting listening app. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Later. Later.